Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. This is the Pocket Rocket Zoe Benjamin, and we are proud to announce the first all-women episode of Splinters. It's taken a while, but we are ready and raring to go. We have banished the Lord Mayor to Port Lincoln. The wise man and the raging bull have been rotated out, and the Sultan is resting his tonsils for the upcoming summer of cricket. And we are so excited to be talking about the biggest women's club cricket competition in the world, New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket. But I can't do this alone, so we've assembled a cracking squad to take us through this preview. First off is my partner in crime, the number one amateur women's sport analyst in Sydney. Welcome back to Georgia Lomas Vitaran. Thank you so much. And today we have someone else special joining us, um, former ND's first grader and current Manly second grade captain, young gun Michaela Turek. Um, Michaela, am I right that this is your first appearance on our on our Splinters podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for having me. No worries. Big welcome to you. And um, I believe, you know, in true Raging Bull fashion, we have a bit of a fun fact about you, Michaela. I believe that your mum taught Anthony in math. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Your poor mother. I feel I feel terrible for her about that. So. Season 2021, it's going to look a little bit different to what we're used to in that the one day and our T20 components of the competition are all rolled into one and what this essentially means is no T20 final. What we're going to do today is talk about everything that's happening in New South Wales Premier Cricket. Um, We'll be covering previews of all nine teams in the first grade competition with a quick mention of some of the up-and-coming second grade competitions and a few clubs on the rise. First team we're going to preview for you today is Bankstown District Cricket Club. Um, They finished fifth last year in first grade in the limited overs and third in the T20 Thunder Conference. So, Michaela, I'll come to you first. Bankstown have a squad that are steadily developing. They've got a pretty young side. Um... And obviously, they've got a few of those marquee players that have um, stepped away from those those bigger legacies um, and are going to be playing a bit more club cricket this year with the likes of Sarah Ailey um, being the biggest on that tier in terms of her leadership um, and experience. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure if the girls are returning from last season, but I know at the top of their order they've always got Laura Wright and um, Rhiannon Dick to open the batting. Um, I think that partnership at the beginning is such a big key for Bankstown. Um, if they get rolling, then I think Bankstown are in for a good day. Um, I'm not sure about the depth that they've got. If they've got some of the younger girls coming through that may be able to help steady their middle order, but um, I definitely think that that opening partnership is a big key there. Um, with their bowling, of course, with Sarah Ailey going to be bowling her 10 overs, there's 10 solid overs um, for them there and as well. Uh, Maddie Penman and Emma Newman um, 
are usually there to assist with the opening at the other end and really tight lines and a lot of um, swing off that ball. So I think they've got a good starting block there. But, um, yeah, definitely I think they'll sit around the same spot as last year. You look at that squad and, and some of their younger players coming through got a crack with the ball last year and, and did a did a solid job. You, you think that they're a club on the rise, but, yeah, expected to finish at about the fifth place mark, I, I, I think we, we, we've, we've talked about. Yeah, I think around that mark would be um, where they'd be. They'd have to have quite a few standouts performances throughout the season, I think, to crack the top four. Georgia, I'm, we're moving on to Campbelltown, Camden District. So they finished in sixth in the first grade limited overs and fourth in the T20 Thunder Conference, Um, a side that was pretty unlucky last year with some unfortunate bushfire events. Yeah, look, it was. And, I mean, you and I were there for a couple of them. I I remember driving down to support our girls and, unfortunately, just the smoke was far too thick and we we were all hiding in in their clubhouse. So, no, I, I think this year is going to be very different as, uh, fingers crossed, you know, there are no natural disasters that cause any major issues. Yeah, but they have a, they have a very strong team, uh, especially with their young guns, you know, like Hannah Darlington and and um, Hannah, Hannah Trithui and and uh, Tanya Bailey as well. We've, we've seen them all come out and we've seen them perform, but I think it's going to be Claire Kosky if she comes back uh, that that's really going to be the uh, you know that really holds the ship together at this point. Yeah, well, depending who they've got available for them, they've mm. got a cracking uh, batting lineup. Let's not forget the bowling side of things. Zoha Siddiqui took the season by storm last year with a cracking twenty wickets. Um, and you think that they're probably a squad that's also on the rise, similar to the likes of Bankstown. Yeah, and I think the one thing. I did venture Hannah Darlington, but um, with Cricket New South Wales this year and a lot of other uh, representative cricket, especially with Victoria and Queensland, they've brought in the the players' bubble, so a bit of a hub. And if players are playing in the WBBL and the WNCL, so the one-day competition in the T20s, they're not actually allowed to leave leave the bubble. They have to stay in that bubble. It's to stop um, transmission of COVID-19. So they may not actually have Hannah Darlington for a majority of the season as these competitions go for a majority of our um, competition as well. We now go to Gordon, the Mighty Reds, who finished seventh in the first grade limited overs um, and fourth in the Sixers conference for the T20s. Georgia, I'll stay with you. They've got a bit of experience who have left and come out of that side, um, which could prove a bit of a challenge heading into this year. Yeah, look, agreed, agreed. We've heard that Charlotte Anneveld has announced her retirement. She's hanging up the boots. And um, so that's going to be very interesting as she is a very big wicket taker for the Mighty Reds. Um, you know, we've seen her. We've seen her come out against universities and take something. I think it was like five or six wickets in one game, which which was unheard of, but fantastic to watch as well. Um, but you know, they do have they do have batsmen. They have uh, Olivia Fanning as an opening batsman, Saskia Hawley a little bit further down, and of course Heidi Cheadle, who um, was skipper last year and, and led the team from the front, putting the runs on the board and, and showing the team. You know, we we have to get we have to get runs. We have to keep going. We can't just give in. Sadly, I can say I was part of that FIFA and um, 
not not a happy walk off back to the back to the dressing rooms. But Heidi Cheadle is uh, and Sass Hornley are obviously going to be very key players this season for them in terms of their leadership. I feel like a lot of responsibility now falls onto Heidi Cheadle, and I feel if it was going to fall onto anyone and anyone was going to be able to handle that, it'd be Heidi Cheadle. Yeah, she seems to have a very um, calm nature of, you know, how she plays and carries out her business on the field as well. And I think that's really what you need. You don't want someone as a captain who gets too worked up, too, you know, angry and just emotions running everywhere. You kind of, you know, you have to lead by example. And if you're calm and collected, the team's not going to press the panic button very quickly. So a, a challenging season for them ahead, but it'll be, yeah, interesting to see where where their improvements come from. Um, so, Michaela, I'll come to you next because a team you know a little too well, um, the ND Rangers, they finished in fourth in first grade in the limited overs and first in the Sydney Sixers conference in the 2020s grand finalists in the first grade. Let's go through this side. Obviously, a wealth of young talents headed by Annika Leroy with the bat scoring 371 runs. You know, she made three centuries, was just on fire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she was definitely had a breakout season last year and definitely earned her spot in the Thunder squad as well as um, a breakers contract there. So I think this season they'll be missing Annika quite a lot, um, particularly with the bat and even her bowling's coming a long way as well with those leg spinners. Um, I think they're going to have to rely on a few other batters to really step up and come through. They've lost Izzy Afras to, to you guys there at university. So um, a key wicket taker and really, really great economy Izzy has. Um, so I think Abby Taylor is someone that will really shine through this season with both the bat and ball. Um, her off spinners um, are very deadly and take quite a few wickets and can tie one end up. And then I think with AJ Bates as well, um, coming back in after having the experience of the Sixers last season. I think her batting will be a big key as well as her bowling there. And I think they'll be looking to the likes of um, uh, Sarah Turner to step up with the bat and just help that top order out. Um, but obviously they're one of those sides that are going to be interestingly affected by that bubble situation with, you know, no uh, Lauren Smith um, and, and those likes. And as you said, um, Annika Leroy stepping into that bubble as well. Um, how do you feel like they're looking in terms of that cementing their top four position again? Yeah, look, I think it might be a bit of a challenging season for them, especially with the age restrictions that have been brought in for each grade as well. Um, I think it might be quite a few exemptions getting sent through to the SCA there for um, NDs, but I think um, the likes of Kirsten Smith, a, a bit more maturity on her head, this um, will help them kind of step through and get through the season. Um, it'll be challenging to get in the top four, but I still think they're in a chance there. Georgia, now to you. We look at Parramatta District, who finished eighth in the first grade limited overs competition and second in the Thunders Conference in the T20. They were a little bit unlucky in terms of scheduling with those bushfires again, but a club that's come up into the first grade and probably just their inexperience in that top-tier competition showed a little bit last season. Yeah. Look, if you ask me, I think they may have a little too much pressure on Haley Silver Holmes as, you know, a bit of their star player. 
But I mean, they do perform well. They know each they know each other's playing style very well too. But I think they just they were a little bit unlucky with a, a few games, and as you said, you know, natural disasters like bushfires. Unfortunately, that was very common last season. Um, and you know, this year we've got a pandemic going on too. So, but you know, they did very well uh, to to you know get to the games and play the games and all that kind of thing. But hey, there's definitely room for improvement. But that's what the off season's for. Similar to Bankstown, quite a young side, a side that's the longer that these girls play together and play in this competition, the stronger they're going to get. Um, but as you said, their biggest issue will be Haley, Haley Silver Holmes um, and whether she is in that bubble or not. It's going to be also they're going to pull players up from second grade as well or maybe they've been transfers but, I mean, it's still very uncertain at this point, even though we are, what, almost two weeks out from, from the start of the season. And, you know, it's been very quiet on many clubs' ends as to, you know, which players are coming back and what teams will look like. So, I mean, it'll be very interesting. But, you know, with Hayley Silver Holmes in that bubble, it, it could be a very unique season for Parramatta. Now, Michaela, it is time for Drop and Give Me 20. Now, for anyone who doesn't know how this works, what happens is our special guest will run through 20 questions. I've got question one here. Michaela, what was your original home club? Uh, so junior cricket. I'm a Colorado Plateau girl. Um, for grade cricket, I started off with NDs. So who is your hometown hero? So growing up, I think um, a lot of the, the rep boys that I played against that are now still playing grade cricket, I think the likes of Mickey Edwards playing against him, um, Thomas Tom Kay, who's playing second grade for Manly now as well. First competition century or 5-4 wicket hall? Uh, in grade cricket, um, would be a five wicket haul against uh, Campbelltown in Campbelltown. So it's always nice to, I mean, rip through their order there when you're all the way out in Raby Oval. I can't even remember who was in the five wicket haul, to be honest, but I just remember being stoked that we could go home early um, and get on that road for that hour and a half journey. So it was a bit hot out there as well. What is your most memorable on-field moment? Oh, now I've been thinking about Raby and Campbelltown, I think – a very memorable moment was when I had uh, hit a ball in Campbelltown at Raby Oval with Claire Kosky keeping up to the stumps without a helmet on and absolutely smashing her in the face. Um, oh, it wasn't boy. great, but it's very memorable, I guess. Um, the, the black eye she had was not nice. So I think she learned her lesson to wear a helmet when she keeps up to the stumps, but, um, yeah, it wasn't I thought that was the rule now and it may have been brought in because of that. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> What was your most embarrassing on-field moment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm sure there's enough there's enough drop catches that have been embarrassing enough that have been lollipop catches. That, I, I can't think of too many, to be honest. Um, really, and we had um, the classic grade system where you had you got fined for drop catches and whatnot. Oh. We had it. You had to refill the lolly box. So, Ooh. I mean, walking home with a lolly box was never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> The walk of shame. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I've got question six. Who did you grow up supporting? So any main sports or, you know, clubs, teams? Obviously being on the beaches, Manly Seagulls was um, huge oh, in this household oh, and oh. 
I my think gal, you probably, my gal. <laughs> you could probably still hear my dad supporting them and yelling and screaming at the refs when um they're, they're on. So um, they're one of the big ones, I guess, around here. So proud. So proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'll quickly move on from that. Oh. <laughs> hear it. Uh, what's your claim to fame off field? Oh yeah, claim to fame is long line of uh, of royalty, I guess. So um, my uh, last name Turek is obviously not Australian background, and it's not Canadian. It's um, actually from the Ukraine and Russia. Um, so long down the track on my dad's side, um, he's. His great grandparents were cousins to Tsar Nicholas. Um, so yeah, that's my claim to fame there. <laughs> fact. Choose three sports stars to have dinner with, and why? Oh, I guess you you have to go for your childhood favorite favorites, don't you? So I guess I always um, looked up to Adam Gilchrist, just the way he batted. So I'd I'd love to have him there at the dinner table. Um, uh, you can't go without saying I think it would be awesome to have Alyssa Healy there. I think she's one of the funniest chicks around. Um, so I think she'd just be an absolute hoot. Um, and third person, you know what, I'll go with Sam Bates uh, from Sydney Thunder as a close friend of mine and I just think it would be funny to have her there and make her feel awkward about it, calling her a sports star. <laughs> I think that's a great selection as well. And Adam Gilchrist is definitely one that I think I regret not picking in my in my top three when we when we did this. So yeah, I rate that. I rate that as a as a three people to have dinner with. <laughs> um, so which sport do you think the world could do without and why is question nine? Uh golf, definitely. Golf! My brother's a huge golfer. I've watched so much golf. I think um, I got stitched up when I was a kid. My my brother and dad were watching golf on the TV and most boring sport you could ever watch on TV, may I say. Um, and I got told as a kid that I had to be quiet each time someone s- swings um, because there was a microphone in the TV. So... <laughs> Oh, way to shut me up as a kid and uh, I definitely learnt my lesson there. <laughs> that's some great family banter. I like that though. That's good. That's good. <laughs> what is your big issue facing sports today? Uh, I think a big issue is going to be technology. Um, I think it's going to either be an aid to sport or it's either going to hinder it. So I think even looking back at like the swimsuits um, in the Olympics and how they got banned, but it's just that development of technology that they made something so great, but it can't be used. Um, so I think that could be a really big issue coming up. So as a as a manly supporter, um, what do you think of the bunker this season? In the yeah, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely didn't help us there. Um, but yeah, I think technology, even with that, like waiting for a decision, it, it takes too long. You want the game to keep going. So um, yeah, it needs to be incorporated incorporated a bit better. Yeah, fair call. All right. Um, how do you kill time during the off-season? Uh, well, my boyfriend's a mad fisherman, so I've become into black fishing and uh, blackfish fishing and um, also trout fishing. So I caught a trout in the off-season um, up in the Blue Mountains and was on my own, obviously having no idea what to do with this fish um, my boyfriend's about 
300 meters away not being able to see me and I'm just yelling I've got a fish on fish on and I'm walking the fish as if it's a dog <laughs> um it's his him and his his brother are there and they're like oh she's just nagged don't worry about it and I just uh eventually it was like I've got a fish like and they started sprinting over and were very jealous because neither of them caught one for the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> who is the biggest influence on your sporting career I guess to begin with, like a child idol, obviously Adam Gilchrist, I was always a big hitter, um, still try and control myself, but always want to go for the big shot. So I think he really influenced how I bat. Um, As cliche and and vanilla as this answer may be, also Elise Perry, obviously she was uh, playing both cricket and soccer at one stage and um, I tried to do the same with cricket and basketball and went over to Canada for a basketball scholarship and um, try to keep the cricket going. But, yeah, that's, I think those two definitely. Do you still play basketball? Uh, just local competition. I think uh, college basketball really burnt me out of it. <laughs> what is your pre-match and post-match ritual? Definitely key is not to be hungover, so having a hydrolyte, making sure that I'm, I'm good to go for the day. Um, I think now playing at Manly, I've got my, um, my car trip buddy in Christy Crawford, so... One of us could just chill out on the way there and just talk it really. Post-match, that just varies where we play, doesn't it? Um, depends who's there and what day. Usually we might sync one afterwards um, as as the team who's over 18. And I think, yeah, that's usually it. Who is the biggest pest you've played with at whichever club that may be? Uh, biggest pest would have to be Lauren Smith. She's just painful. Like, <laughs> there's no way about it. Um, she's a good talker in the field. She'll play a few tricks on you in the changing rooms. Um, she'll she'll also, like, G you up on social medias. Yeah, big pest there. What is your funniest moment involving a teammate? Okay, uh, <laughs> when we were a little bit younger, um, my parents were, were out and a lot of the girls at NDs, we don't actually live close to each other, so had all the girls around to mine staying the night young early 18 19 year olds and um I'm sure you can imagine um how much was in the recycling bin at the end of the night um and there's Lod Smith in the corner hugging a statue and she just hugged that statue for a whole hour that night and was just sitting there (laughs) hugging it and we've got multiple photos of this Oh, this that's, so that's hysterical. <laughs> I love that you've got, again, straight for Lauren Smith. Like, no one else is getting thrown under the bus today. Lauren's just catch, c- catching all of it. Uh, which teammates have the best and worst chat or banter on the field? Uh, oh, look, as much as a pet loss can be, I think she does have good banter. I think the, the worst banter or chat... I know you guys have interviewed her, but Shivani Mehta last season coming out with the absolute ripper of like the old school sayings of cricket. Um, I think she absolutely got herself ass handed to her from Charlotte Annavelt when she was um, trying to give her a bit of banter and I don't think she came back from there. <laughs> I can attest to that. I can attest to that. Whenever she's on the field, she'll she'll bring back your classics from like when you were playing Brewer and you just kind of look at her like, what? Yeah, um, like the more leaves from a tree sort of thing. Like very old school sayings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it does do its job because it pulls you out of focus because you're just like kind of in a bit of shock that someone's 
bringing back those sayings. Yeah, someone's stuck in the 2000, but, yeah, it's, it's still good chat, I guess. It's an oldie but a goodie. Come on. <laughs> Who is your best and worst teammate on the circuit? Uh, oh, the worst teammate is definitely Sam Bates. She's disappeared on me. She's You find herself that she's just gone and got herself some food or her old traditional favourite was a kebab. Not letting you know, just absolutely gone out, got herself a kebab and is now texting you, I'm ready to go home. Best teammate on the circuit, oh, I think Tegan Kavanagh is pretty good on a night out. He can sink quite a few in. I rate the kebab. Kebab was always my go-to oh, food. Yeah, kebab, solid. Yeah, I mean, it's all right if the kebab makes it in your mouth, but when it's all around your mouth, it's not so great. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your biggest rival? Now, this could be friendly or, you know, there could also be bad blood, but but who's the biggest rival? It could be a team or a person. It could be a team or a person. Oh, a team. Oh, look, always playing for, like, Northern Districts and now Manly, our biggest rival has always been Gordon, I think. Um close to us and I don't know what it is but definitely when we were at NDs for some reason we managed to choke against Gordon like no other I mean I think we played them we played Sydney combined with NDs one season for first grade our lineup we should have just won without like naming our team but for some reason we lost to Gordon we had the likes of Alyssa Healy, Maitland Brown, Andrique, Sam Bates, Lauren Smith and there was one other that was a W oh um I think that there was one other that was a WBBL player and, and we somehow lost to Gordon who had Saskia Hawley as their only um, representative player. Um, which team did you always hate and why? Oh, I think I've already named it, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> there was no chance I was heading myself to Gordon when I changed clubs, that's for sure. <laughs> they weren't even on the list. No, they were definitely scratched out. Which sports personality would you nominate to next drop and give 20 on the show? Oh, let's give it back to her. Let's see if she, what she's got to say. Maybe some, either Lauren Smith or Sam Bates. Hey, <laughs> careful. They might throw you under the bus. <laughs> that would be interesting. Drop and give me 20 if we get either of those on. I feel like you might get a bit of, bit of payback in there, Michaela. Yeah, oh, look, I think I might be all right. I feel like my stories are good. <laughs> justified in them. that concludes our drop and give me 20 with Michaela and I, I think it's fair to say she did a pretty good job um, she was no no hesitation on on you know showing her, her teammates right under the bus there uh, but that's what we like to see on the bench and on that note the umpire has called an innings break so we will take five and be back with you shortly. We have walked back out onto the field. So welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all those good podcast sites. So we kick things back off with Penrith Cricket Club, the Penrith Panthers, who finished second in the first grade limited overs, fifth in the Thunder Conference in the first grade T20s. So 
Michaela, I come to you. This is a stacked side on its day when they've got all of their players there and in the squad. But when it comes to this bubble, a side that could be slightly depleted. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they're going to be mostly without Lisa Griffiths, Naomi, um, Phoebe Litchfield. Um, So it's going to be the likes of Sam Arnold that's going to have to really carry this team throughout this season. Lisa Griffith will be a huge loss for them, not only with the bat and the ball there. So I think Emma Hughes will be stepping it up with the bowling as well and having to really kind of take the spearhead of the attack there with Emma Felch as well. Um, So I think those two girls, the two E's, are going to have to really um, be taking quite a few wickets for their team this season and and a few girls coming through from second grade to fill those gaps as well for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at this and you think they're probably going to have a similar season to last year in terms of when they missed those key players, it was a real battle for them. But when they had those key players, they were one of the most dangerous sides in the competition. It'll be interesting to see what opportunities they get to bring those players back into their squad, but still a top four and a genuine contender if they do have that full squad available. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, we go to St. George Sutherland. St. George finished ninth in the limited overs first grade competition and third in the Sixers Conference in the T20s and a struggling side from last year with a lot of players leaving that squad and not really having many of their marquee players join them much throughout the year. Yeah, look, Renee Farrell, they, I think they were very heavily reliant on her as well. And then it turns out, I don't think she played many games for them at all, uh, which was, which was a really big issue. And I mean, I think there was some struggles to try and get players on the field and, you know, digging deep into second grade for players as well at some point. But hey, we know we've seen them before when, when they get numbers together and, and they all click their away and they can be brutally strong to play against as well. So it, I think it's really just finding someone or a few people who are who are able to play in first grade consistently and score runs and take the wickets and back each other as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're a side that's in a major phase of development and really need to look at either bring a bringing a wealth of their their younger talent through or attracting other players to the club. Last season, their highlight was definitely their bowling highlighted with Jacqueline Vickery and Kaelin Fountain. Yeah, and I mean, look, they're, they're a fantastic team as well. And, you know, they can put uh, runs on the board as well. We've, we've seen it in the past with some very big scores. But I, unless players transferring, like moving across to them or they're, they're digging deep in their grades to get players, well, they may very well be a, a bit of a surprise for everybody this season and as to how they go. Sitting to uh, to avoid that bottom end of the table, unfortunately, for, for St. George Sutherland, but definitely a club that could be on the rise in a couple of seasons' time. And with that team that has definitely gotten over their development phase, Sydney Cricket Club, the Tigers, they finished in first in the first grade Sydney Sixers competition and first in in the limited overs competition as well. And Michaela, I'll come to you. They've adjusted pretty well to life without Elise Perry here. Still with a number of side, a uh, number of stars in that side, but a wealth of talent coming through. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a great program going on there and it's definitely filtering through the junior cricket there. And um, I think one of their keys for their first grade team this season will be Naomi McDonald. She wouldn't won't be in any bubbles. I think she's unlucky to um, not have got a contract somewhere 
somewhere this season, um, but she's someone that's quite hard to get out when she gets going with the bat and is a handy bowler as well to tie up one end and really um, dot a batsman up. I think Kate Jackson as well will be another key to their batting. She's a great leader for them there. I know that there's a lot of respect for her on the field and can she can hit a ball pretty powerfully as well. But I think they might be without Jenny Gunn this season. I believe she's back in England and I'm not sure with everything that's going on at the moment if she's going to be making her way down for the summer. So I think that might leave a little bit of a gap there as well for them. Yeah, I mean, she balanced their side up terrifically last season and just provided that extra level of experience when the likes of um, Alyssa Healy and some of their other more marquee players weren't available to them. But like you said, do you think that who, who would Sydney be looking to kind of step up in those leadership positions when they've got their stars in the bubble? I think a big one will be Naomi there. I think another one more so on the bowling side would be Tegan Kavanagh. Um, so she moved across from NDs last season to join Sydney and she is someone that's a bit more mature, a bit more senior and has um, good experience under her belt playing um, New South Wales country cricket as well. And I think there's quite a few under 18 girls there that can really step up with Alex Timms, um, their keeper behind the stumps who can hit a ball far as well on her day. So I think there'll be a few girls there from that under-18s kind of squad that will be able to help them get through the season. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Genuine contenders for that top four, probably favourites to go back-to-back this season. Yeah, absolutely. You want to see them in one or two this season. For sure. Now we move to, not a bias here, but personal favourite, the University of Women's (laughs) Cricket Club, the students. So we finished third in the limited overs competition premiers and first in the first grade for T20 but as slightly mentioned a team that's going to be quite heavily affected by the bubble yeah look we have six players already confirmed who will be in the bubble for uh, the WBBL and the WNCL as well we may very well also be digging into second grade or or um, you know trying to find uh, under 18s players who can come up and, and fill the void but it's going to be an interesting season, especially without Bess Heath and Sophie Monroe there as well, as they were two very, very strong players for our first grade side. I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. We might struggle a little bit here and there, but I think we'll pull it together somewhere. Yeah, I mean the the biggest, when you when you look at this team and who's fallen out, I think the biggest issue that you look at there is it's not just in one department either. It, it's, you know, your Olivia Porter, your Rach Trenemans, your Carly Leeson's, there are quite a few all-rounders here that have fallen out of that team and I think biggest issue with Bess Heath going back over will be the keeping situation. Yeah look and and Maddie will also be uh, in the bubble as well so I mean it may very well be a case of trying to train someone to be the keeper or trying to pull one out of second grade or even one of the under-18s players. I know um, there has been talk of a couple of under-18s players. I won't say names just yet because we're still a little bit uncertain as to that department as to who will go up, but I believe one of them may very well be able to keep. Has has had some experience in keeping before, but again, we'll just we'll have to see uh, what what coach decides. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of that top four, I think a similar similar outlook to the likes of Penrith when they when the, when the wealth of stars are there. 
a hard team to beat, but a challenge ahead when those stars are not available. With that, we've gone through our nine clubs competing in the first grade competition, but of course, the competition has expanded far beyond that, and we would like to quickly go through where our teams in second grade finished up. So running through from the top again, Bankstown finished fourth in second grade, Campbelltown seventh, Gordon finished sixth, Endes fifth, Parramatta finished first, Penrith finished tenth, St George Sutherland finished third, Sydney finished eighth, and Unis finished ninth. With that, Michaela, we'll come to you now. Manly District Cricket Club, a team on the rise. Again, another another heavy wealth of talent at this club. A developing side that in a couple seasons' time could be a real contender and making that push to the first grade competition. So take us through this side. Who, who are we looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. So we ended up finishing second last year and unfortunate circumstances led that way. I think um, we turned up to our last game against Parramatta in first position and it just wasn't our day. The girls weren't there to play, I don't think. I think we were a little bit burnt out and unfortunately happened to be our last game of the season going down in that game meant we came second in the comp. For our team watchouts, our biggest, our two key players, uh, Sienna, she's a great spin bowler, off spinner. She's a key wicket taker, has great flight on the ball there and is really an up and coming junior. We've also got Christy Crawford, who was our top run scorer. She's a bit of an all-rounder there, but we have been struck by injuries. So we've got her out potentially for round one, as well as Mia Waddington. They both have broken a collarbone, which is an unusual injury, but both did it within the space of two days of each other. So um, two key players are out for us there. But luckily with our club, we've got a wealth of juniors coming through, a really good junior competition that's been founded on the beaches here and it's filtering into our grade system as well. So we've got a lot, lot of players to choose from. So we're not too shaping up too badly for round one considering we have those two out as well as couple for HSC as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for you, I mean, the biggest thing coming over to a, a club like Manly was obviously your first great experience. But what what did you feel like your role was like as, as captain in this new team? Yeah, absolutely. So I've only just come into captain this season. So jumping across um, last season from NDs, I really wanted to come back to my grassroots I guess come home in in a sense um, to Manly and really help develop the club and and get that first grade team so we're unfortunate with our application this year for a team so a good season this this year should see us hopefully having a first grade team next year. Yeah absolutely I think we are we're all in agreement here Georgia that it'll be an an amazing feat for them to to make that push for next season and um, we look forward to the the challenge if they were to come up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'd put in a good competition there as well. And the girls, are we've got feeding through. I think we've got about five or six that are in academies um, that are in our Brewers team. So they're all raring to go at the moment. Yeah, how good. We'll go through a few teams who are on the rise coming into our competitions in the New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket. First of all, the UTS North Sydney Sutherland Cricket Club. Um, Last year, they were fresh with resources made through that partnership with UTS and the 
EAP and they're continuing with a long-term plan to make inroads into this competition. First off with a T20 team in third grade and a Brewer Shield team in the under-18s. Georgia, what does this mean for the third grade competition? Well, it certainly made it very interesting last year uh, because we started with the limited overs and, and UTS North Sydney only came in for the T20s. So it was a bit of a surprise for us as well, especially if you haven't read ahead for who you're playing in, in the next part of the season. So it was definitely very different to see uh, UTS North Sydney come come on through, but they were fantastic to play against. And, you know, it was just a very positive vibe. It was just very positive vibes out on the field. There was no negativity and both sides were nice to each other. And, you know, they definitely have some upcoming talent. The uh, The team had some very young faces in, in there, um, about 15, 16 years old. So I, I definitely think they're a place for second grade in the upcoming future. And, and uh, if they continue to build their program, as well first grade too yeah, absolutely they've also got ambitions to fill our new under 15s women's competition sides and as you were saying with that wealth of young players that they've got coming through they could be a side that end up developing a lot of young talent um, in the near future yeah look, agreed agreed and they have some fantastic coaches as well with uh, Michelle Gosky over there as well so I'm sure they're, they're hitting the recruitment button hard and, and they're getting new faces across and training hard as well. But no, they were, fa- they were a fantastic team to play against and, and yeah, just a great culture and, and great girls. And similar to UTS North Sydney, Mossman are building their women's division from the ground up. They've started with a side in that under-15s competition and are looking to progress into the Brewer Shield and the third grade competition. They did quite well in their first attempt with the under-15s. They finished up four and beat a number of clubs that you know already had established teams in that competition. So another one to watch for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's great to see these clubs expanding and obviously they've got the numbers from grassroots that are coming through and that's all from your master blaster up. So it's great to see there's a lot more more girls that are playing cricket at the moment and obviously enough to be able to form two new clubs um, on the women's side there. So haven't had much exposure to them, unfortunately, but um, I'm sure they're going to be someone to watch in the future. Uh, especially with them being our uh, crossless bit bridge rivals. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And on that quick note, development that we've got with the Master Blasters and the new competition that they tried this uh, last season with the under 15s sides, as opposed to Brewer Shield being from 13s and up. How did, how did we feel like that ran? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was very interesting and innovative way to allowed the youngsters to join uh, into a pre- Premier Cricket. It was fantastic to see. And I know at university seeing all, all the um, young players come through, it was fantastic to watch them train as well and, and see the love for cricket in their eyes and, and ambitions of playing and all that kind of thing. I think it's very unfortunate that the under-15s comp will not be going ahead this season, uh, which which is also uh, quite hard to see as well, as that means we will lose some players from clubs as well um, unless they can get dispensation to play up or even just, you know, be around be around their teams and, and train at the club but not be a part of a team. I think uh, the under-15s comp was a fantastic idea as we know, sadly, 49% of women aged 17 and above stop playing sport for various reasons, but that is a big number of women to be dropping out especially when teams need to be filled. But not that's just not cricket. That's every sport, unfortunately. But no, it was a fantastic, innovative way of cricket in New South Wales to um, 
to incorporate the, the next generation. And Georgia, on a committee front, looking at attracting players to your club um, and developing players from a young age group, how is this going to affect clubs, especially clubs that are on the on the rise, like a Bankstown, for example? W- what effect is this competition not running this season going to have? I think it, honestly, I think it's going to have quite a big effect, but people may not notice it in a sense. It's a bit of a hidden effect. Uh, because you know you have you you're not able to give your wealth to as many people as you would be able to uh, with the under 15s at training. I know at universities the under 15s trained before us, but some of uh, us second graders and first graders would would come a little bit earlier and and just train uh, nearby and and watch them and also give them some tips. I know a few of them would stick around and train with us as well. Uh, but it was fantastic just to see their ambitions and and all that come through. But, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, a big loss, especially for clubs who may need the uh, the pathways, especially coming through to to second grade and, you know, getting getting those, those players on the field. But, I mean, it just means we have to get a little bit inventive with, with new ways of bringing players, players to clubs. And- yeah, absolutely. Well, what a show it's been. I suppose to cap it off, Michaela, I'll come to you. This seems like it's going to be a season of opportunity. Whoever whoever can pounce on the opportunities um, given to them, whether it's players coming up into first grade, teams that are making inroads with some other sides depleted. Um, so what, what excites you most about the competition this year for Manly? Yeah, I th- really think that this season will kind of show the depth that clubs have. Um, I think it will show the gaps in people's pathways. Even per se, I might sit on the other side of the fence with that 15s being changed around. I, I personally think it's a great thing that that, that team's kind of gone. I think for, for us at Manly, we've got such a great setup that we've got the girls there at Molly Dive and Peden and they've got those comps to go to. But that way, it's also strengthening our club cricket. So those girls that would normally be playing 15s there in rep teams, They've still got their academy trainings. They're still going to be playing local junior cricket to strengthen those comps and it will attract more girls and it will really help funnel um, more of their friends in and really strengthen that competition that could be quite weak without them playing. So I think it's a great thing in that sense and I think this season will really be one that will show um, who's got the pathways in place that they can pull players up, that they've got that depth there. And I think we're sitting in a great position in uh, for Manly this season. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone who doesn't understand, like who isn't aware of what the Molly Dive and the Margaret Peating competitions are, do you want to quickly just run us through that and, and how that plays into development for our young players coming through into our Brewer Shield side? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the um, Molly Dive and Peden teams will have a grade team as well. It is junior cricket. So Molly Dive is under 13 representative and uh, Margaret Peden is under 15. The The tournament has gone through quite a few changes. When I was going through those age groups, it was a three to four day carnival. Um, now it's about a six to eight week season and it's starting in January, ending in late Feb, early March. So it's a great opportunity for girls to be exposed to that representative cricket and it's a great pathway to grade competitions. And you do see some of those girls, the, the top few in those Peden teams, you will see their names in the Brewers 
Brewer Shield teams as well this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I can attest to this competition, like definitely having a, a great way to to bring the girls together. Because I was similar to you, Michaela, when the when this was around, it was that three to four day tournament, and I remember it being the place where I met a lot of the girls that I'm playing with today at universities, the likes of Amy McKay, Keiko Grammer, Sam Robinson, Olivia Porter, and quite a few of the girls that were part of that Brewer Shield team when I, when I first came to the club. Without that competition, I don't know that I would have met those girls and I don't know that I would have been, I, I would have been drawn to, to joining up universities somewhat what six seven years ago now georgia god time flies (laughs) (laughs) mate you were there before i was (laughs) (laughs) oh it's been a while that makes me feel old oh god this season starts two weekends away and follows the run of the success in our women's t20 world cup from last year that concludes our drop and give me 20 with michaela and i i think it's fair to say she did a pretty good job um, she was no no hesitation on on you know showing her, her teammates right under the bus there. Uh, but that's what we like to see on the bench. So there's never been a better time to get into women's cricket. We certainly hope that you can join the Triple H Sports coverage of this competition throughout the year. But for now, we're going to sign off. So thank you very much for joining us tonight, Michaela. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And I think it's safe to say from me and Georgia, we hope to have you back. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. It was my pleasure. And Georgia, a big thank you to you as always. It's been a while for us. I don't I don't know that I've been on with you for a while, but always enjoyable. Yeah, it definitely is. Look, <laughs> doing the uh, Saturday commentary with uh, Kiwi Mick and, and Matt Mears is uh, very different to having another female in the box but hey i will take it i will take it (laughs) yeah and let's make a special note of that feed again today um just in case you missed it at the start we are very excited to announce that this will be the first splinters episode with a full women's panel and hopefully not the last i think something that we are looking to get up and running more in the future i am the pocket rocket zoe benjamin that is time for us today thank you very much for joining us today and just a reminder this is splinters the bench podcast on triple h 100.1 fm streaming at the web on www.triplehfm.com and available for download on podcast.com apple store youtube music spotify tune in and all good podcast sites good night and thank you 